Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. It's our post-game show, uh, wrapping up Indiana's 45-31 loss to Penn State. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Co-host TJ Inman will be along with us shortly uh, here on this gorgeous Sunday afternoon. Uh, TJ, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Sammy. It's, uh, like you said, very, very nice the fall day here. It's been, we've had really good weather for uh, for pretty much all of the all the football weekends, which, um, you know, I mean, we spend most of it in time. Uh, most of it inside watching watching games, but uh, it's still nice to be able to come out and record a podcast in the middle of November without a coat on. Yeah, it, it's uh, the weather has been great. It's spectacular yesterday. Uh, let's let's talk about this game. It was um, a, a disappointing outcome, uh, yep. but it was you know I, I don't want to get into the narrative of IU was close yet again. This is the same old story. They had them, you know, right where they wanted them uh, because it wasn't. Uh, yes, it was a close game. Yes, IU could have won this game, but this was more about how IU executed uh, on big plays and uh in crunch time uh so uh to me yep. it's it's about uh, you know it, it came down to the five lost fumbles uh IU came into the game only losing four fumbles all year they lost four fumbles in the first half um yep. they they missed two would be touchdown throws one it looked like Nick Westbrook uh just mistimed his jump uh, a little mm-hmm. bit maybe a second or two too early the other one was just you know, maybe an inch or two overthrown by Richard Lego, uh, who did have a good day. But those are plays that, you know, if you're going to beat a top 10 team, you have to make. And it, this wasn't, you know, the play calling wasn't horrible. The game plans on each side of the ball were great. This is just a lack of execution in my mind. I would agree with you. I mean, you cannot – I if, if people want to put the lost fumbles on the coaching staff, okay – fine but i'm i'm of the belief that fumbles like that really where the players were not put in bad positions they just made poor plays and you know there's some bad luck mixed in there too uh losing five fumbles while penn state you know penn state recovered each of the lost fumbles um so that's a little bit of bad luck as well a little bit of penn state you know, just making the right right play, being there at the right time, so that's good on them. But I, I put that on, like you said, player execution. Um, you know, it, it's it's you're not going to have any more games where Mitchell Page stumbles the ball twice. That's not going to happen. Uh, Isaac Which James. You hope not. Well, yeah, I guess I should guarantee that, but you certainly wouldn't expect it. Isaac James made a poor play. Uh, apparently Mitchell Page did not call him off. So that's partly on Page as well, partly uh, poor decision-making by Isaac James because you really shouldn't be down there at all 
inside of the 10-yard line, uh, just asking for something bad to happen, and it did. Um, I, I really think the only thing you can put on the coaching staff uh, was the decision on fourth and one, fourth and goal from the one-yard line, uh, not to go for it. I agree with that decision. I think that going for it was the correct call, but with the play call they ended up coming with after a timeout, uh, I disagree with, with that play call. Um, I don't think it was yeah, a good went... decision to have Richard Richard go uh, roll out and I I don't think it was intended to have him roll out and throw uh, to the target that he did, but I think Penn State had it covered. It just didn't end up working, and I, I don't think that it was a, a good play call on that point. But really, other than that, I don't think there's a whole lot you can put on the coaches. Uh, it was execution. Uh, you can't make as many mistakes as IU did as far as turnovers go, plus the fourth and goal from the one. You cannot make that many mistakes and expect to beat a top ten opponent. Uh, the score, certainly final score, does not indicate how much of a, a test Penn State got yesterday. Credit to them for pulling it out. It is frustrating. I totally understand. I'm frustrated as well. It's frustrating to be so close uh, against these top ten teams here the last few years and not get one of those scalps. I completely understand it. I get it. Uh, but I, I think it is important for people to take a step back. And if fans don't want to do this and just be frustrated, I understand that as well. But I'm choosing to take a step back and say, look, Indiana is in these games. They are right there. And these other Big Ten coaches know that Indiana's right there. They understand. And I think the football program for Indiana is getting to where it's, it's getting a level of respect nationally People are not surprised that Indiana is in these games anymore. The next step, obviously, is getting over that hump and getting those, getting one or two of these games to go your way. That's the next step. But it, it's a whole lot better to be in the shoes we are now as opposed to getting waxed, as we see so many other uh, schools getting beat by these, you know, bigger Big Ten opponents. Uh, you know, fifty-five to three, sixty-two to three, et cetera. Indiana's not having that happen to them. They're showing up ready to play. They're they're doing a very nice job, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball against the run. We'll talk about that. But uh, Indiana physically has gotten to the point where they're going toe-to-toe with these teams. Now it's just a matter of cleaning up these mental errors that are costing them ball games. Yeah, and then, you know, in the offseason, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, you know, what they need in recruiting. They Yes, they had yeah. 16, uh, 15 or 16 tackles for a loss, but how many times did we see the uh, the defensive line just wasn't fast enough uh, to get to right. McSorley or to, to, a half second off, to yeah. close on the, yeah, to close on the angle. So, you know, maybe getting a, a pass rusher, they might have one in Allen Stallings who's red shirting, but, uh, you know, getting a pass rusher in, in recruiting and, and winning some of these recruiting battles for, for better players. And, and you've seen it. You're right. You know, IU is, is right there in terms of talent. Um, I would put their, you know, receivers and skill players up there with uh, almost anybody in the Big Ten. Uh, and yep. they just – it was it was tough. It was, you know, it, it turned into a shootout. IU gets a holding penalty on, I believe it is Wes Martin. Um, 
and to move them back to start that drive first and you know first and twenty from the eleven instead of at the twenty one, you know, and that kind of just killed the game for IU there. They just didn't really recover from there. But the defense played outstanding. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, 16 tackles for a loss. The defensive line accounted for. Now that the, there was an official switch on on a on a scales gooch sack, um, I think it was they accounted for seven and a half tackles for loss, a couple sacks, you know, a, a couple hurries that resulted in interceptions. So the defense I thought played yeah. well. Uh, Indiana handed uh, Penn State 17 points. Uh, the the yep. fumble that was a scoop and score. The uh, muff muffed punt or the fumble, whatever you want to call it, statistically it's a fumble. But the ball that bounced off of Isaac James's foot is seven points. And then late in yeah. the game, IU went for it on fourth down, and uh, you know they gave him the ball, I, I believe, at the twenty-one yard line. And, and right there is uh, is right in field goal range. IU's IU just didn't, you know, the defense didn't give up a, a yard or you know, maybe a yard or two and, and held them to three there. But uh, to go back yeah. on, on that, that pivotal fourth down play call, uh, it looked like they had the, uh, you know, the, the big bacon package in there. Yep. And, you know, Wilson came running out and called timeout. I, I don't know what he saw. Uh, and uh, I asked play him on clock. Monday. Play clock. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, That's what it was. then it goes back down to, to execution uh, of yep. that, and, and you definitely want a, a timeout. You know, th- those are the timeouts that you, you hate to take because you need them, you know, at the end of the half, at the end of the game and stuff like that. So that play yeah. was set up. It, it looked like it just took a little too long to get into. That That's execution. This isn't the first time they're running that. Um, maybe, you know, get the play in faster. Uh, or, or get things going a little bit quicker. But to me, I, I don't think it was a coaching issue. The game plan was no. spectacular. I mean, when your defense holds Saquon Barkley to 60 rushing yards. Um, One, was it 1.8 yards yeah. to carry? Is that, I think I read 1.8 was the final number. Yeah, uh, 1.8. 1, 1. Like Sorely at 1.6. Yeah, uh, yeah as, as a team, they did not do much um, – much uh, on the ground that they averaged. Yeah. As a team, they averaged 1.8 yards per rush. And, you know, if, if yeah. you told me, you know, last week that IU would do this with, um, with Saquon Barkley, it was arguably the best in the big 10, uh, maybe yep. even the nation and, and to have them shut out, uh, shut him down like that. Yes. He scored two touchdowns, but you know, it, it's yeah. like any great player, he's going to get his, and IU limited his to only 60 and, and, and two touchdowns. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that kind of opened up the passing game for for Penn State a little bit too late in the game. It seemed every – I don't think they ran a short route all game, TJ. Uh, you know, right. correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it looked like every pass play was, you know, just go deep and I'll, I'll throw it up to you. And, and you yeah. know, we, we trust our receivers to make a play. They had a couple short uh... – uh, they were not short routes, but just a couple of safety valve routes to, to Mike Gesicki, who had a very nice game for them. Um, then that he burned IU a couple times with short catches that he turned into bigger games. Uh, but I, I do think that we, uh, IU fans and, and uh, you know we on this podcast, we'll give credit to Trace McSorley. Uh, he made a couple mistakes and, and was not not efficient 
uh, in terms of completion percentage, but uh, he made a lot of big plays, made a lot of very nice throws, and uh, gave the Penn State receivers, Blacknall uh, and, and Chris Godwin, he gave them chances to make plays, and they did uh, more times than not. So credit to him. I think if you're asking the IU coaches, you know, we're going to pretty much shut down their running game so that Trace McStorley is the one that has to beat you with his arm, you're going to take that. Uh, and I don't think that McStorley necessarily did beat IU. I think Indiana's mistakes ended up being what beat IU. But credit to McSorley because he helped Penn State's offense take advantage of some of it uh, and then really – when Indiana was ahead, uh, 24 to 14, ahead by by 10 points, and with a lot of momentum, you know, it certainly didn't feel like it was anywhere close to over. Uh, we know that it's a long time left in a college football game. I think it was like two or three minutes left in the third quarter, and then right away, McSorley hits a couple of big pass plays. Penn State gets down there, four plays, 70 yard drive to cut it down to three and then they, they take the lead quickly on their next possession. So uh, when when he had to, McSorley made the big plays. Their receivers made nice catches. So so credit to them on that end, because I don't think IU secondary had a you know, a lot of poor plays. I think Penn State made good plays, and IU secondary missed a couple of them. I mean, Riggins had a little bit of a hard time, especially against Gasicki, uh, but he ended up having a pretty good day. Richard Bant had a nice day. Tony Fields had the pick. Um, so I don't think they were bad. It wasn't the secondary's best day, but I, I think Penn State's passing game did a good job in taking what Indiana's defense was not going to give, but in in the hole that was there because of how aggressive Indiana was against the run. So credit there where it's due. I think Penn State deserves uh, some of the some of the kudos for for getting the job done largely through the air on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it was it was just a weird game in terms of, you know, IU's right there, right there, right there. And really, if they make the play, I think they win by two scores at least. Uh, you know, you take away the, the you know, fumbles at the end. Uh, you know, the, the offense gave them 17 points. But you you make one of those catches by Nick Westbrook. That's another touchdown. If you want to say he makes the second one, sure, better throw. Um, that's fourteen. I mean, IU outplayed uh, Penn State for most of this game. Uh, they were yes, IU was. I mean, it, it's hard to you know say that a team lost by fourteen points yet should have won by twenty. Uh, they were lucky to be down only you know be tied at, at halftime. Uh, yeah, a big, right. you know, an, a big answer um, with a by the offense to end the half, and then you just, you know, all these little things add up, and it's, you know, saying you're you're close against all these teams and say, ah, oh, we're we're close. That's just a cop out, you know, right now to to the talent of of this team and, and where this program is. You know, you're they're better. Um, they're better than their record indicates. They're better than just hoping to be close with these teams. This is, you know, if IU played their A game, uh, they, they would have won. Uh, and that's the bottom line. They they would have won that. 
Uh, also, I'm going through pictures right now, and if Nick Westbrook holds that in, Cam would have had an epic picture. Um, so it, it's the little things, and um, yeah, that's going to come back and haunt them. And, and now you have to go back, you, you, you know, you take your 24-hour grace period. We were talking to Mitchell Page after the game, and he he was just so upset and angry with himself. And, you know, he, he said, if I don't fumble, we don't have to worry there in the last part of the game, which is, is somewhat true. You, you never know what will happen, but his fumbles definitely changed the outcome of the game. And his non-poison call on the punt changed the outcome of the game. So, you know, you, you clean up those mistakes, but, you know, let's get over the mistakes, go back to practice, see what you could do. Because if you're making these mistakes next week against Michigan, they're going to be angry. They just lost a heartbreaker at Iowa, and you're liable to get get beat, uh, you know, get run off the field. Uh, IU is going to go into next week uh, as over uh, just over a four-touchdown underdog at 28-and-a-half points. Um, and really? then, you know, yeah, that, that was the opening line was 28 and a half. Um, and then yeah, you play Purdue, Purdue's struggling, but they're a team who has the conference leading passer. They could put up points, um, on offense. And if I use offense turns the ball over, you know, three, four, five times, that's a game that's going to be, you know, a, a little sticky and maybe... Yes, way too close for comfort, especially going to a bowl game. So I think the yep. focus, you know, I wish we got to see practice because, you know, I was asked after the game by, by some fans, is this just this team doesn't perform well in games? Or is this, you know, do you, well, you know is this not taking it in practice? So I, I don't know. It's not – I can't answer it because I don't know what they do in practice. Are they fumbling it all over the place in practice? or And, and just – you know, continuing in the game, or is there just that lack of execution, the lack of playmaking ability when when the bright lights are on uh, in the game? And now practice in the game is totally different, and and um, the pressure is is just you know cranked up to the top. So it, it's hard to say. Um, but I don't think this is a bad practice team. Wilson has said they've been a good practice team now for the better part of a year, year and a half, and that's the importance of getting that sixth win and getting to a bowl game are those 15 extra practices. Because you saw, you know, Richard Lego is now playing his best football of the year uh, the last yeah. couple games. Uh, you know, he, he acquitted himself well against Maryland. He played well at Rutgers, even though he had those two picks. And, and yesterday, he threw that deep ball probably better than I've seen uh, many quarterbacks throw and, and you know, almost better than, than Sudfeld sometimes. He would you know, was very accurate on those deep balls and, and confident. So the more time he gets to practice, the better he'll be. And, you know, I don't want to discount this season, but going forward, you have to feel feel good about the talent on on IU. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's we're, we're certainly in a case now where it's uh, kind of feels like a one-game season with, you know, if you beat Purdue, it'll mean you have two rivalry games, two rivalry trophies in your trophy case, another bowl game, uh, you kind of, at the very least, you can say the program did not take a step back at all. 
you could make an argument they took a step forward. You could make an argument that they, because it's you know back-to-back bowl games, which hasn't been done in a long time, you could also make a very good argument that they just treaded water for a year. And that's, that's okay, too. It's a lot better than backsliding. Um, so it kind of feels like that before we can look towards the off season and what next season could be. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a ton of talent returning on the defense. They will only continue to get better under Tom Allen and, and uh, the rest of the defensive staff, it feels like. Uh, and there's no doubt they're, they're already much improved under him. So uh, that's encouraging. And then the offense, Richard Lego just seems like he's starting to get it. Um, and it just it looks like he's more comfortable as I use quarterback, as a Big Ten quarterback, which is understandable. I mean, it was – I think we forget – uh, how difficult it can be to be a quarterback in your first year. Uh, and he's starting to get it, and there's a lot of returning talent. Well, for sure, but, uh, you know, it's we won't focus on that until we'll think about it because we're, you know, nuts like that. But uh, we won't focus on that until, until we turn the calendar the next season. But um, I, I do want to point out just a couple of performances that I thought were you know, worth mentioning, I think, Divine Redding uh, against a good defense. Not a great one, but a good Penn State defense. I think he had a nice day. I think he ran the ball pretty well. He did a good job uh, getting the yeah, ball to the end zone. 106 yards. Uh, yep. Sorry, 108 yards, 4.7 uh, yards a carry, two touchdowns. This might have been his best performance of the year in terms of quality of opponents. Good cuts. Yeah, good cuts and good runs and uh, ran with, he I did, thought, yeah. a lot of pop. Yeah, well, I, I you blocked it pretty well, and, and going back and watching yeah. some, some of the game, I, I just couldn't stomach watching it again uh, in full. But where you see where Divine lacks, where you know Tevin and, and Jordan Howard were were so good, was the holes were there, and, and Divine yeah. got you know six, seven, eight yards where either Tevin breaks it for a touchdown or Jordan Howard gets twenty to twenty-five. Uh, but yeah. Divine, this is what Divine is is good at. He you know, he held on to the ball, which is huge yesterday. Um, and and it's well, a very encouraging blocked well in protection uh, as well, too. And then, um, you know, he's – this was, I, I would say, his best performance maybe of his career in terms of quality of opponent and, and rushing performance. 4.7 yards a, a carry. Uh, two touchdowns or three total touchdowns. He had one receiving too. So, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. He's had some big rushing numbers in the past against Maryland and and Purdue and and Duke. But to me, this was against, you know, a high level rush defense. I think a a defense that he only had like 40 or 50 yards against last year. And uh, we'll see where he goes from there. Um, And then, you know, with other performances on offense outside of uh, Lego, it's good to see Camion Patrick getting involved. And he's, yep. you know, showing glimpses of the player that – I know, TJ, we were we were all worried that he wouldn't get to play and people would call us liars about his talent. But um, I, I think people now know what we've seen in, in practice and – uh, on his Instagram and in terms of video is that, you know, once this guy gets back to, to being a hundred percent physically and mentally, uh, he's, he's going to be a, a monster. Yeah, definitely. I, 
However, they end up choosing to use him, whether that is running back, running back, wide receiver hybrid. Just I think I think once he's healthy and they feel they feel good about and hundred percent confident and he feels hundred percent confident in that knee, uh, I think they're gonna put him at whatever position they feel like they need or he can have the biggest impact. Um next season. So, and maybe in the bowl game, uh, if they can get to a bowl game, we might see might see some increased usage there as well. But uh, I think it's obvious every time the ball goes towards him, something good tends to be happening right now. So, I, I hope yeah, it's either a, a long see. yeah, it's either a long catch or, or a, a pass interference penalty. Uh, it yeah, seems yeah. right now. So, and and he's he's got great hands. That catch yesterday was in traffic. It, it yeah. was a, a a good throw, you know, decent throw by Xander. I didn't think he'd be able to get it there, um, but he did. It was a, a good throw, but he made a, a really competitive play uh, to bring that in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe if he was 100% healthy, he shakes that tackle. He almost did, and then brings it in for, for a touchdown. But, man, what what a play that was. And he thought – that was the part of the game where you thought, you know, IU went in and, and scored to go up 10 that where, you know, where maybe IU is, you know, is going to shake these early fumbles and, um, and really, you know, put, put the hammer to, to Penn state. Now it didn't happen, but you know, at that point you saw, thought Penn state was kind of dead in the water. Uh, they had thrown a yeah. couple picks and, and it just didn't turn out that way. But you know, let, let's talk about special teams uh, for a little bit. You know, I, I thought Griffin Oaks got back on track. I don't want to say he's out of his funk yet. This is like a, a hitter who is, you know, one for his last hundred, you know, getting a, you know, a, a, a double uh, and saying he's out of his slump. But, you know, it looked like that 47-yard field goal snapped uh, or is starting to snap Griffin Oaks out of whatever funk he he was in. Uh, he looked a little bit more confident. The kickoffs were a little bit better, uh, and he had a little bit more pep in his step. But as with IU special teams all year, it's always something. Uh, this week it was, you know, the kick return ha- ha- was less than stellar, and then you have the, the critical error on the in the punt return game. So, TJ, what does this team have to do to, to, fix, um, to fix the issues on special teams? I, I I don't know. Like you said, it's kind of a whack-a-mole uh, predicament because if it was just one thing, you could look at it and say, well, you know, if we can get that one thing corrected and then we're all all good to go, okay, well, they got the, the kicking game portion of it covered. Uh, Mitchell Page was back holding, and that I don't know if that made a difference or if it was just coincidence that Griffin Oaks kicked better or what, but it was good yesterday uh, on Saturday, and and then you have the coverage wasn't great against Penn State. Um, you had a lack of return all around, pretty much. No explosive returns or even anything good close to it. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the must punt with Isaac James there. So it's if it's not one thing, it's something else. So I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but it's uh, it's something that, I don't think you can say it cost IU the game, but it played a large part in it, and that is uh, – it doesn't make a lot of sense. Devontae Williams should be a good kick returner. I mean, he should be based on 
his speed. It looks like he has good vision. Uh, he's I, it, he should be good at it, and it, it's just it's not clicking there. I I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is, but uh, hopefully they can get that figured out and turn back into a a strong special teams unit because uh, really there are enough talented pieces in place that it should be at the very least an average overall unit and it's below average. I think they were in heading into yesterday. I think they were like 91st or something in special teams, S and P plus, and that's, that's unacceptable. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, you look at why they don't win these games. It's always, a, you know, there's always sure. a special teams critical error uh, in there usually. So, you know, maybe it's the lack of having a, a solely <clears throat> special teams coach. Uh, maybe the coaching staff spread a little bit too thin in terms of responsibilities. Um, and, and maybe it's, you know, personnel. Maybe they're guys who don't really want to play on special teams who are not giving a hundred percent effort. And in that case, maybe the way to, to motivate them uh, is do what Ohio state does is say, if you're going to start, you're going to play on some special teams units and you're going to have to play well. Um, so maybe that's one way to fix it, but it's an issue that yeah. you know might not get fixed this year, um, but definitely will yeah. have to get fixed uh, down in the future. Again, another reason why those 15 bowl practices would be huge. Uh, it's just sure. more time to, to work on, on those things. But overall, it, it, it was a uh, disappointing loss. But bowl bowl eligibility is still um, still right there. Everything that IU wants to play for uh, is still and still in play. Uh, you're playing to to play 13. Uh, this this program is not going to sniff the the college football playoff uh, here for a while. And uh, you know it, it's time to go out and you know clean up uh, clean up what you have to in practice and. Uh, and, and go uh, and go to work and, and try and uh, spring off a, a historic upset against Michigan and, and hold serve uh, at home against uh, Purdue. So, uh, any right. final thoughts, TJ? Well, I, I you know I, I at some point I wanted to point out uh, a player that popped on defense uh, and somebody that I think is making a big difference for the defensive line rotation. That's Robert McRae. I thought he had another very nice game, and that's a, another good spot, good sign for the future. So I didn't want to forget that. I had it written down in my notes, and uh, I thought he deserved uh, a special mention for having a, another very nice outing. And uh, the coaches have talked about him having the talent, just needing to kind of improve that consistency. And I think we're starting to see it. So that's that's a good sign. I I and I guess my final thought would be, I understand the frustration from the fan base with. Uh, just not being able to seemingly break through where everything clicks and you win a huge game. I understand that frustration. You see a team like Iowa upset Michigan. You see a team like Pittsburgh upset Clemson. I, so I, I get it. And you kind of think, well, why can't that be us? I think it can be. It just hasn't happened yet. I think this program is continuing to get better and as far as I'm concerned, the talent level is at a higher point overall from top to bottom of the roster. The talent level is at a higher point than it has been any time that I can remember being a fan and I can remember back to the mid-90s. 
So for me, it's higher than it has been. I think it's going to continue to get higher based on the recruiting classes that are coming in. So I, I know it's frustrating. I just hope people stick with it uh, and really give this give this this program a chance to eventually break through. Because if you do, it's going to feel all the better when you do on a Cubs fan, and it felt a lot better being a Cubs fan through a hard and lost season. Like Anthony Rizzo said, you know, he was there when they lost 100 games just three short years later when they win a World Series. So I'm not suggesting Indiana's in for that kind of turnaround, but they're also not at the level where they are awful and pathetic and the equivalent of losing 100 games. This is an average team right now. Uh, the record says that they're average. Having a talent level is slightly above average uh, with the potential here, hopefully fairly soon, to break through to better than that and turn into good. And I, I think they're right there, very, very close. The question is just whether or not they can get there. I'm going to be along for that ride and optimistically hope that they do. And I, and I hope the rest of the IU fan base is there with us. I I know it's frustrating and it's hard to stomach these continued close losses, but I think eventually there's going to be a season where a lot of these click. I don't know when it's going to be, but when it does happen, it'll feel all the better for sticking through times like this where it's disappointing on Saturdays to, to have your day kind of uh, anchored a little bit by a frustrating loss like we had against Penn State or like we had against Nebraska or really like we had against Ohio State. Um, it, it can get you down a little bit, but I think if people just hang in there, it'll feel all the better when it finally clicks. Yeah, and and a final point on on the fan base. Uh, you know, the fans that do show up, they're loud, they're yeah, diehards, they're passionate. And I, I had, I, I was talking to one of the producers from Big Ten Network who's had us on uh, Big Ten Live. Uh, and he's a Penn State guy, and we're talking about starting the the site for football only. And you know, he was like, "Well, you know, I don't know why there are there aren't more of you guys because you you do have a passionate football fan base." And I agree with that. And and we got into a little bit of a discussion with with Alex about the game day. You know, regardless of the yeah. the the product on the field, the game day situation around the stadium um in the stadium during the game uh, does the band need to be better um you know are, are there things that could keep fans a little bit more engaged and then finally ultimately i think it comes down to construction on 37 um it's i got stuck in that traffic last night coming home it was awful um you know, coming down, it only took an hour and 10 minutes from the north side of Indy, which is faster than I've ever gotten down to Bloomington, but I left ridiculously early. So when there's no traffic, it's fast. And then it took me two and a half hours to get home uh, last night. So I think the construction on 37, uh, the lack of getting that finished, just having that thought of sitting in traffic on the way there to watch your team um you know, watch a team who, who's not great, um, is solid but not great, you know, probably yeah. lose uh, to a team like Penn State. But 
and then to, to sit in the traffic on the way back, it's an all-day affair, and, and I think that's scaring some people off as well, and that yeah. needs to be – I don't know what IU could do to fix that, but it, it might be totally out of their control, but that's something that has definitely affected IU this year and last year, and it will continue to, to affect IU, um, maybe all sports attendance, in the next – couple years until they get that thing finished because it is a pain in the rear end to get down to Bloomington right now on game day Saturdays. And I'm sure it'll be a pain in the butt uh, to get down there on, on basketball games uh, on, well, during yeah. the week when people are coming down after work uh, and, yep. and all of that. So I do want to credit the fans who did make it down uh, and who stuck around until the final, you know, until the final minute, because uh, yeah. they are the diehards, and, and and they were there. Noon games are tough, so, you know, kudos to you. But, you know, we'd like to see more of them. We would like to see a better culture around campus. We'd like to see more students <laughs> at the games um, and things like that. And that's where IU is going to have to, you know, maybe spruce up their game day atmosphere, get things going around the stadium a little bit, um, just, I, I think the the in-game entertainment outside of the game itself has been become stale, uh, and, and that's keeping people at home as well. Um, you know, with all these TV timeouts, it's easier to sit on your couch and change the channel um, and, and try and find another game. Of course, I, you could be that unlucky person like I am, and all like seven games are on commercial break at the same time. Uh, but it's something that that needs to be uh, needs to be looked at, uh, discussed. Uh, I don't know what the athletic department does in terms of you know maybe asking students what they want out of football games uh, and things like that. So uh, you know we'll see going forward. You know two games left, uh, one one last home game. Uh, you yeah. know Purdue again. It shouldn't be. A, a, Big student turnout. I, I hate that they they play this game on Thanksgiving weekend. I think that kills some of the culture because uh, you know the students aren't on campus and it's tough for students to to travel home for Thanksgiving, travel back to campus, especially with the construction um, on 37 to be back from the game. But that's a game that that's a culture building game uh, against a rival. Uh, that shows you why college football is so special. But anyway, TJ, uh, thanks for joining uh, joining me today, dealing with my uh, rant on 37, and we should be back on Wednesday with our Michigan uh, pregame. Absolutely, yeah. It'll be a kind of interesting week. I know Michigan just lost, but they've they're still quite a juggernaut, uh, especially at home. So uh, it'll be an interesting week trying to come up with. Um, we don't have to come up with a game plan that can beat them, thankfully. That sounds like a awfully difficult task. But uh we will come up yeah, with score uh, more some points great coverage. Well you're right. Yeah, you got that one got that one again. You're score more we, points, don't turn the, the ball over and tackle the ball carrier. Yeah, that's why I do get the big bucks. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we can at least come up with that much and we'll come up with some good uh good coverage like we always have for uh, for game week, all the typical stuff on, on each of its assigned days. So stay tuned for that. Then we'll have the Michigan preview pod up as well. And then after that, it's bucket week. So uh, we're here in the stretch run, but we'll we'll keep going strong. Yep, uh, bucket week coming up next. Uh, come back to HoosierHuddle.com. We'll have our photo gallery up 
uh, here shortly, numbers that matter from the Penn State game, uh, as well as uh, the the podcast on there if you want to re-listen to it or download it on iTunes. Just a, a quick PSA, TJ, um, for Hoosier fans who shop on Amazon. Uh, yeah, we, we're trying to keep the, the site uh, the site free. We're trying to take care of our writers who do such a good job. Uh, we do have a referral bonus from Amazon.com. So if you go onto the, the the website on a computer, it should be on the side right now. The Amazon ad is Tom Brew's um, Todd uh, Judlow book on the rebound. Uh, we might switch that out, but that's what it is right now. If you're looking on your phone. Uh, scroll down to the bottom of the page. It should be there. Click on it. It opens a 24-hour window uh, to Amazon where, you know, we get a referral bonus for your purchase at no extra cost to the purchaser. So, you know, if you're buying Christmas gifts, getting textbooks for spring semester, and, and want to help out uh, an independent site that uh, – provides you know more coverage than, than uh, football coverage than, than most of the other sites and, and it's free uh, do that help us out we appreciate it and uh, we thank you for for uh, your loyalty and readership uh, that does it for today's show uh, you can follow us on twitter at hoosier underscore huddle look us up on facebook as well and we'll see you on wednesday VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.